You're listening to Rounding at Rush, a Rush University Medical Center podcast that features the latest clinical advances, research, and innovations. I'm your host, Dan Dean. Joining Rounding at Rush today is Dr. Mary Jo Fiddler, a thoracic oncologist and professor of internal medicine at Rush University Medical Center. She is also the section chief of medical oncology at Rush. Dr. Fiddler has extensive clinical experience treating early and late stage lung cancer patients. She is the national principal investigator of the Odora trial, which is studying postoperative osimertinib and resected EGFR plus lung cancer patients, and is the institutional principal investigator for several stage three and four lung cancer clinical trials. Today, our conversation will center around current and exciting future treatments of non-small cell lung cancer. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Fiddler. Thank you for having me. I want to start our conversation today first talking about what the current standard therapies are at Rush for treating non-small cell lung cancer. So at Rush, the vast majority of our patients are presented at our multidisciplinary case conference, and many are actually seen in the multidisciplinary clinic and have in one place for patients to get one opinion that includes opinions from thoracic surgery, from radiation oncology, from interventional pulmonology, pulmonology, and even palliative care. Our philosophy is to try to take an aggressive approach when that makes sense for patients and really individualize a patient treatment plan to be implemented either at Rush or in collaboration with treating physicians outside. At Rush, we've been working on augmenting our technology and have now robot-assisted navigational bronchoscopy and endoscopy. We also have highly uh, specific radiation planning uh, machines as we've recently moved into our new Rupschlager Cancer Center building. We use state-of-the-art SBRT radiation planning navigational bronchoscopy and endoscopy with both robot and ultrasound machines. So I want to go a little deeper here and ask you um, about patients with non-small cell lung cancer. Um, And that somewhere between 10 and 14 months, those patients will develop resistance to EGFR TKI treatment. Um, I'd like to talk with you first about the ways you're looking at augmenting EGFR TKI treatment in newly diagnosed patients. So you bring up a good point. I think that many patients, when they hear they have a EGFR activating gene mutation, are happy to know that the first therapy is a pill. But unfortunately, the cancer is still expected to shorten their life and resistance develops. So one strategy we're participating in is a trial through the Hoosier Cancer Research Network that adds VEGF receptor 2 antibody therapy with ramiseramab in addition to osimertinib. So it is a randomized trial with uh, two-thirds of patients being randomized to get the um, anti-VEGF targeting agent. There also have been strategies to add chemotherapy to frontline osimertinib for patients with EGFR. And at the end of the day, that strategy will probably provide some benefit as we've seen from recent trials out of Japan and India. But the question remains, how much the benefit and if a patient will deem it worth it to do for for the extra toxicity that they'll experience and the extra trips to the medical center to get this chemotherapy. 
hopefully the answer for the flower trial will will sort that out. But I think we're a couple of years from getting a more definitive answer. So now we want to talk a little bit about the work you're doing with uh, biomarker identification, MRA sequencing. So we recently began a collaboration with Tempest to use data we have from patients who have mRNA sequencing and EGFR activating gene mutations. We presented some preliminary data showing volcano plots with different genes that seem to be activated in these patient populations, and now we're delving deeper to look at our own institutional data, finding out how is this disease different in patients that get it later in life versus some of these patients that get a diagnosis early in their 40s and 50s, even 60s. So those are some exciting things we're doing internally with our data set. We also are collaborating with a a network that hopefully will allow us to get big answers to questions like mRNA expression and progression on osimertinib therapy uh, through some collaborations we've recently joined also through Tempest. I'm particularly excited about is studying cancer cachexia in patients with driver mutations. We all know that weight loss and skeletal muscle loss is a common feature in patients with lung cancer, especially as they move further on in their journey. But this concept is not well studied in patients with driver mutations and could be another target we could have to improve quality of life for these patients in the future. One aspect of our research uh, in patients with driver mutations that I'm particularly excited about is looking at skeletal muscle wasting in patients with driver mutations. We all know that cancer cachexia has a bad prognosis and increased toxicities. We presented some data suggesting that weight gain on treatment, including standard chemotherapies, is associated with with better outcomes. But this is an understudied area in patients with driver mutations. And also, I think we're still learning a lot about patients who are receiving immune checkpoint inhibitors. Cancer cachexia has been a research interest of our lung cancer working group for many years. We're excited to learn more as we start to incorporate newer information like protein expression data, uh, in addition to what we can learn from a CT scan and measuring a patient's weight in clinic. How novel is this focus that you're with this particular research? I think it's fairly novel. I think it's fairly understudied. And I think the EGFR stuff is um, fairly novel too. There are publications looking at co-expressed DNA mutations, but not a lot with RNA and We've been using Tempest so long, we have a large amount of patients who have tumors sequenced, you know, with EGFR that we can work with. So I think that that's pretty novel, too. I want to ask you about the ADORA trial. It's a phase three clinical trial um, that showed that just in March of 2023, Azamertina produced a statistically significant and clinically meaningful improvement in overall survival for patients with early stage EGFR mutated non-small cell lung cancer after a complete tumor resection. Can you talk a little bit about the promise of these early results? So I was chosen uh, to be the national PI for the ADARA trial and was quite excited about the press release you just referred to showing an overall survival benefit using postoperative osimertinib compared with placebo in patients with resected EGFR mutated lung cancer. There was no doubt that this medicine delayed cancer progression and the the PFS curves, the pressure-free survival curves, were quite separate 
And I think everyone was hoping that this could lead to an overall survival benefit, uh, but nobody wanted to subject a patient to three years of side effects, albeit low grades, still side effects that affect quality of life if we didn't have a signal that it was actually helping them live longer. So that was very, very exciting news. And uh, our next steps are opening up a, a similarly designed trial, but in even smaller EGFR positive cancers that have been resected. Um, so we'll, we're participating in the ADARA 2 trial, which is uh, for patients with even smaller resected uh, tumors to see if we can also see a similar benefit uh, in this patient population. As part of our project with RNA sequencing data, we do have plans to look for protein expression differences in uh, patients who have tumors that presented as an earlier stage versus later stage. And we hope that this could better inform which patients may be more likely to get a benefit with these postoperative drugs down the road uh, and tumor development and could even aid in lung cancer screening in the future um, as many patients with EGFR, although not all, have a relatively lighter smoking history. And we don't know uh, which patients should be screened um, for lung cancer. Right now, we are limited to those that really meet eligibility for the lung cancer screening trials that have been conducted. Lastly, I want to talk with you about your work with Tempest and the research that's ongoing in that space. Could you elaborate about that relationship that Rush and Tempest have had for, I think, quite a long time now? So at Rush, we have had a nice partnership with Tempest for a number of years now, and we have over 2,000 lung cancer tumors sequenced with Tempest, including DNA and many with RNA uh, sequencing profiles. It's an enormous data set, and there are so many questions that we can answer, including RNA tumor expression and cancer cachexia, RNA tumor expression and benefit on therapies for patients with driver mutations and benefits on uh, patients who are receiving immune checkpoint inhibition. So we're particularly grateful that we have in this database and, and our collaboration has allowed us to get our patients data back in a meaningful way where we can do some of these analyses. So I would say that the sheer number of patients that we have these genetic profiles on positions us to really ask meaningful questions and get results rather than having 30, 40, 50 patients that we're trying to detect these complex signals uh, with many, many data points in RNA and DNA sequencing. We have the numbers where we can generate a hypothesis and validate that uh, with expression profiles you know, from other institutions or even potentially, you know, that Tempest may have in, in their database. The strength of our Tempest partnership is that we have at our fingertips an enormous amount of data. And when generating hypotheses for tumor resistance, cancer cachexia, it is really helpful to have the big numbers as we try to make sense out of the multitude of gene rearrangements amplifications, RNA sequencing changes that we have for patients with lung cancer. Our hope is that our analyses of our patients could yield meaningful hypotheses about potential synergistic treatment strategies, 
and even how to maximize benefit with immunotherapy or reduce the burden of cancer cachexia for lung cancer patients. Well, Dr. Fiddler, 